In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the last Sunday of the Coptic New Year. And we are in the Coptic month, Nessi, which is only a five day long month. And uh, this Friday, God willing, we will celebrate the new Coptic year, 1737. So everyone should be very excited for 1737. Congratulations on another year growing in fellowship and grace of the Lord. The gospel today is from Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 is a very loaded uh, and complicated chapter because it deals with the subject that's not easy. It's a very difficult subject, and that's called eschatology. Eschatology. What am I? Eschatology. Eschatology is the part of theology that deals with death, judgment, final destiny of the soul of humankind. So today, God willing, we'll be speaking about eschatology. And eschatology is in all the readings of today. All of the readings today are about the end of time. Because the church wants to remind us at the end of the year, it's we're approaching the end of our time. And this week I'd like to continue on what I spoke to you last week about. If you remember what I spoke to you last week about, is because the gospel of this week and last week are very similar. Last week it was from Mark 13. This week it's from... Matthew 24, and it's the same subject, just different Gospels. And last week I spoke to you about how Christians are supposed to live with the end in mind. To live with the end in mind. So consider today, living with the end in mind, part two. Part two, encore. Christians who live with the end in mind, they will follow the advice that St. Paul gave us today in the Pauline Epistle, which says which was from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you are taught, whether by word or by epistle. So Christians, number one, should stand fast and hold the traditions which they were taught. It's so important, especially these days, so important for Christians to know, to read, to understand the Bible, to understand the tradition of the church. Because one of the biggest signs of the end times is deception. Deception. And at the end times, people will take you from the tradition of the Bible, the tradition of the church. They will deceive you. That's why in the gospel of today, the Lord Jesus Christ, He says, If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, therefore do not believe. For false Christ, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive To deceive, if possible, even the elect. And then they said, look, if he's in the desert, or do not go out. Look, he's in the inner room. Do not believe it. Do not believe it. Beware of the deception. St. Paul, he says in the epistle of 2nd Thessalonians, he says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away first. The end of days won't come until people start to fall away. What does the falling away mean? The falling away is when people fall away from the true faith of the Lord. And according to the fathers of the church, the falling away was not something that will start at the end of times. We're not like the falling away is not just when the Antichrist comes. Actually, the falling away has already started. The falling away has already started. Saint Cyril of Jerusalem, he's writing in the 4th century, he's writing early on, He's right, he says something very nice, he says, 
Formerly, heretics were quite evident. Heretics were obvious. It was so obvious when you see a heretic. Oh, you're a heretic. Oh, very easy to spot. But now he says the church is full of masked heretics. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, full of masked heretics. For men have deserted the truth and want to have their ears tickled. Make a plausible case and everyone is ready to listen to it. Talk about changing one's life. If you start to say, live differently, leave these things behind, everyone deserts you. No one will listen to you. Everyone will fall asleep. No one wants to listen to words about changing your life and living godly. He says, the majority have fallen away from sound doctrine and are ready to choose what is bad. People are ready to choose what is bad than to prefer what is good. So there you have the falling away and the coming of the enemy is to be expected next. The other day I was talking to a dear friend, actually Abuna Joseph, and we were discussing for a long time, and we were discussing why do men, why do we always choose what is bad over what is good? And he, it's like, it's on the table. Why, why do we always choose what is bad over what is good? And after a long dis- discussion, the one thing we came to was that we are deceived. Anybody who would choose what is bad over what is good is deceived. So be careful, Gamad, be careful that we do not be deceived. Because the truth is God is our creator. The truth is God is the lover of mankind. The truth is God is the source of joy. The truth is God is the source of forgiveness, of sins. The truth is He is the King of Peace. And I believe that if everything was laid out on the table so obvious, if we could see the eternal, if we could see the heavenly, if we could see everything, the choice would be so clear. But the devil is a master deceiver. Devil is a master deceiver. And he hides and he manipulates and he twists the facts about God. And as a result, sometimes man is deceived. That's what he did with the first man, did he not? Isn't the first man was deceived by the serpent? Deception. Be careful that we are not deceived by the devil. That's why St. Paul, he says, Satan will come with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception. And he says that people will start to believe the lie. They will believe the lie. He says they did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Christians who are living with the end in mind, they will stick to the traditions of the Bible. They will stick to the traditions of the church. They will stick to the teachings and the the lessons and and the truth of the gospel. And they won't be deceived by the the, the modern swing of society and what things are, are going on. Number two, Christians who are living with the end in mind will never be attached to worldly things. That's why in the gospel of today, the, God, the Lord says something so interesting. And we probably hear it so many times, but we don't think of it. He said, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or in the Sabbath. 
I know when I hear this passage, I might say, you think like, Lord, what do you have against pregnant ladies? Why, what's, the, like, what's wrong with the pregnant ladies and the women who are nursing? Why, what does this mean? What does this mean? When the church fathers, if you read the commentary of the church fathers on this passage, many of the church fathers, they interpret this passage allegorically. It's all symbolic. It has a different meaning. And I think if you think about it, it's very obvious. The Lord is saying at the end times, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Tabintu Aishin for Chicago. Into the mountains? Where are you going to flee to? You want to flee to the hill like in Wisconsin? It doesn't make sense. So this passage is, is allegorical. When the Lord said, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains... He was talking about Judea as a symbol of those who are living according to the law of the Old Testament. Because Judea is the, the center of the, the Old Testament. <laughs> those who are living according to the law. Those who are living life without the Messiah. Those are the ones living in Judea. These are the people living in the valley. Living in the lowliness of the world. And the loneliness of the world. That is why the Lord says to these people who are living without the Messiah, where should they go? They should ascend to the mountains. Go meet God. Go say, God, I want to meet you. And where is God? God is on the mountains. He's waiting for us to ascend to the mountains. He wants to see us to come out of the valley. Remember how Moses, he came out and went onto the mountain and there he met God. So flee from Judea, go to the mountains. Is to go and meet God in the mountains. The next thing is, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. If you're on the top of the house, how do you get out of the house? Like, you have to go down. But he says, don't go down. So obviously this has a allegorical meaning. The Lord is saying, those who are on the housetops, these are the ones who have attained virtues. These are the ones who are living a godly life. These are the ones who are already at the top of the mountain, so to speak. And He's saying, once you have ascended the mountain, life in the valley now is not important. No need to go back down. Once you're upstairs, don't go back downstairs. Stay upstairs. Continue living with God upstairs. Similarly, those in the field, the ones who are in the field, it's a reminder of the the parable of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says the kingdom of heaven, remember the parable of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 13? It says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So the field, some of the fathers say, is symbolic of the church. Once you are in the field, once you are in the church, don't go back to your old ways. Don't go back to your old ways. Khalas, we've repented, we're living in the church. Forget all the stuff that you've done in the past, it's all forgiven. Live differently now. Now you're in the field. That's why he says, let him not go back into the house, or let him not go back to get his clothes. Remember what the Lord said? Those who put their hands to the plow, they can't look back. They cannot look back. We have to look 
forward. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You can't go back for your clothes. I was thinking about Job. One of the famous sayings of Job is, Naked I came from my my mother's womb. Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I shall return. means that at the end of time, we can't take anything to the grave with us. We can't take anything. No need to go back into the house and get your clothes. No need to go and... If you're at the just stay. You can't take anything with you. The only thing that you can take with you, the only things that you can take with you is your faith in God, your hope in the resurrection, and your love toward God. Those are the things that will stay with you until the judgment day, until the end of time. Then the Lord says the, the interesting one, Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Notice that this one started with woe. Like against the preg- is the Lord against pregnant ladies and bearing children and don't think so. This is allegorical. Saint Augustine, he had the most beautiful of all the fathers. He had the most beautiful interpretation of this one. Saint Augustine says, "Those who are with child, those who are with child, are the souls whose hope is in the world. Those who have acquired what they hoped for are those who give suck." Or those who are nursing. In other words, the child is like the bearing, the woman pregnant is like a man who has ambition, has ideas of growing. This is like bearing children, burdened by the, 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 the future wealth or the future success. This is someone who is bearing children. He says, those who have acquired what they hope for are those who give some. Suppose someone yearns to buy a country estate. I have a dream to big, have a big house. He says, she is with child for her object is not yet gained. It's just an idea in the head. Just like the baby in the womb is just like, is about, is developing. The womb swells in hope, then she buys it. And when she has given birth, she now gives suck to what she has bought. Woe to those who put their hope in the world. Woe also to those who cling to the things which they brought forth through hope in the world. Ah, isn't that so much... Gives lots of clarity to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians who are living with the end in mind... They will never be attached to worldly things. They cannot be attached to worldly things. The last interesting saying of our Lord that was written, He says, Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. And this teaches us the third thing about Christians living with the end in mind. They must be active. They must be alive. They must be doing good works. One big issue of this modern era is an idea, it's a a paradox, but it is very prevalent, is the idea of Christian atheism. Have you heard of that? Christian atheism. Go look it up. Christian atheism. It doesn't make any sense, but it exists. Actually, many of us, we might have this ideology that we're practicing, that we don't believe in God, we just like Christianity for just the... Uh, morality here, a couple things here. But we have no trust in the bigger concept of God and who God is. This is, I think, what the Lord is referring to as the winter time. 
The church fathers say the winter time is when the fruits don't give don't give fruit. If you look out in winter, everything is is like dark, gloomy. No giving fruit, no activity, no work. That's why also the Sabbath. What's the Sabbath? The Sabbath is the day of rest, day of leisure, no activity, just nice. We said enjoy. It's as if the Lord is saying, pray that the end of time doesn't occur at a time when you are not bearing fruit. When our hearts become cold with sin, that's the winter time. When our hearts become cold with sin, that's the winter time. Or at a time when we are leisurely like enjoying life. We're just kicked back enjoying our life. We're not working toward our salvation. Christians with the end in mind, there are bearing fruits worthy of repentance. They're bearing fruits worthy of repentance. They are growing in the knowledge of God. They are becoming more loving, more loving. They are becoming more warm. Their heart is becoming bigger. They're becoming more peaceful. They are becoming more joyful. This would be summertime. This would be happy time. They keep watch. They understand the Sabbath the way the Lord understood the Sabbath. Not the way the Jews understood the Sabbath. You remember how the Jews understood the Sabbath? And we don't do anything. That's the Lord said, I'm working on the Sabbath. I'm working, I'm doing work, doing good works on the Sabbath. So the Christian should also be doing good works. Constantly doing good works. Lastly, Christians living with the end in mind... They trust in God's promises. They trust in God's promises. And for this reason, Christians endure persecution. That's why our church, we just read so many stories of the martyrs. Either you would think these martyrs, they're delusional people. They must be just some crazy people. What are they doing? Enduring all these tortures. Must be nuts. Like, why would... Or they're filled with divine wisdom. And they see that the promise of God is worth all the struggle and all the torment and all the stuff that they endure. But you can't have both. Either they're delusional or either they're the, the most like wise people ever. And St. Peter, he reminds us of the promises in the Catholic epistle today. He says, scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? We're talking about the end days. This is all stuff you say in the church just to scare people, just so they come and repent and do all this stuff. And this stuff isn't real. This is all just... St. Peter says, no, 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 no. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. The time He is giving for us, the reason the end of the world hasn't happened yet, as, as is written in the gospel of today, it says because the nation hasn't been preached the gospel. He says when everyone has heard the gospel, then the end will come. So God is so long-suffering and waiting for the repentance of every single person. And waiting, and waiting, and waiting. Some might not repent. Hopefully, God willing, people will repent. Like, our job as Christians doing good works, bring everyone to repentance. It reminded me of the famous marshmallow experiment. You guys know the marshmallow experiment. When they put the marshmallow in front of the little kid. And they said, wait a short time. 
And if you wait that short time, there will be a promise of another marshmallow. Some kids, as soon as they went, marshmallow gone. No more marshmallow. No patient, couldn't, they couldn't see the promise. Christians, we see the promise. We say, oh, we're waiting not for marshmallows with sugar and stuff. We're waiting for the heavenly crowns. We're waiting to live in paradise with God and to live in the heavens with God. We don't take the promise of, of the Lord lightly. That's why Christians living with the end in mind, they endure difficulties. People can mock them. They might say we're stupid. They might say we're dumb. They might say this is all hocus pocus and, and tradition and all this stuff. And they might say, why are you living this way? How come you're so different? How come you dress differently? How come you listen to different music? How come you do all these things differently? But Christians, we have the promise in mind. We know that if we endure persecution now, we know these martyrs, they have crowns. They have crowns. I'll conclude with what St. Peter said. He said, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens. St. Peter says, we, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot or blameless. And consider the long-suffering of our Lord, that the long-suffering of the Lord is our salvation. We said four things about Christians living with the end in mind today. We said Christians living with the end in mind, they will keep the traditions. Zero. Huh? They will keep the traditions of the Father, the, the Bible, the traditions of God. And they won't be deceived. And they won't be deceived by anything in the world. Number two, Christians will living with the end in mind, they won't be They won't be attached. They won't be attached. They will flee to the, 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 the mountains. Number three, the living with the end in mind. They must be active. They must be active. We're, that's why our job as Christians be light of the world. To be light of the world. If you see someone drowning, you're going to let them drown? You see someone drowning, would you let them drown? Or would you say, come, say, there's safety here. There's repentance here. There's forgiveness here. Christians have to be doing good works. That's what Christians with the end in mind, they're doing good works. Four, Christians with the end in mind, they trust in God's promises. And God's promises. And glory be to God forever. Amen.